Welcome to, to Kuomo'o. It's an honor to have you folks here. And, um, you know, we kind of got to see some of the challenges that we face in terms of keeping places sacred, keeping places safe, keeping places accessible for communities, um, and keeping their mana kind of intact and alive. And, and so, you know, where we are is really situated on one side is, is a multi-million dollar golf course and country club um, and estates. And, and on the other side, not too far down the road is, is basically the same thing, is a gated community and multi-million dollar homes and estates. So Kuomo'o is, is now, you know, we're, we're thankful that we're able to preserve it and, and to keep it safe and, and protected um, because it is such a special place for us. And a lot of that, you know, comes from the, the battle, you know, the battle of Kuomo'o that occurred here in 1819. Um, really pivotal time in the history of Hawaii where you had massive changes, right, in society, um, in, in leadership with Kamehameha I passing, the first ali'i to kind of bring the islands under one rule passes. And, um, and it kind of sets the stage for what happens here at, at Kuomo'o in the Battle of Kuomo'o. This is a Hawaii Rising podcast special. I'm Kenji Cataldo. I'm Suyuno Amos. A couple weeks ago, we put out our interview with Kamana Beamer and Kelsey Jorgensen from Aloha Kuomo'o Aina, an organization on Hawaii Island that stewards the site of the historic Battle of Kuomo'o. We heard a condensed version of the story of the battle, as well as the history and vision of their organization. In today's episode, we're taking you with us to Kuomo'o itself to hear the mo'olelo on the Aina where it happened, and to talk story with Kamana about the impacts of uncontrolled real estate development and the promise of an alternative economics rooted in Aloha Aina. Back in November, a few weeks after recording our interview, we got to visit Kuomo'o with Kamana. After meeting up in Keoho, he drove us down the coast, turned down a bumpy side road, past a bee farm, to the Aina they steward. After an oli at the entrance, we walked the final stretch down to the coast. Except for an enclosure where they are replanting native plants, the dry rocky land is covered with kiave trees, and we see a couple of goats climbing on the rocks. We walk the shoreline for a bit. Kamana points out basin-like holes in the rock where we see pa'akai, or sea salt, crystallizing as the ocean water inside evaporates. But the salt here isn't safe to eat. Too much goat poop around. Kamana tells us that the rocky path we're walking along was once a main thoroughfare connecting Kailua Kona on the northern side with Ka'avaloa and Napo'opo'o down the coast. But today, this coastline is being eaten up by multi-million dollar developments. Down the coast from Kuomo'o, there's a big golf course, and on the other side lies a gated community. We walk back to Kuomo'o and get ready to hear the mo'olelo of Kuomo'o. I like to stand telling this, and um, it was just 11.11, so that's a good time to... 
While Kamana stands, Kenji and I find a thorn-free spot under the kiave to sit and listen. It gets hard to hear our audio in this conversation, so we've re-recorded our questions. When Kamehameha passed, he, he left out a kawoha, which was essentially that his son, Liholiho, his eldest, would have the right to rule, and his nephew, Kikulkalani, would have this, this, the charge of the religion, if you will, under this god, Kuka'ilimoku. And um, this was a thing that happened in, in Hawaii Island history. Um, it occurred actually during Kamehameha's time when his cousin Kivalo got the right to rule when um, Kalani Opu'u passes and Kamehameha gets the war god. Um, and it happened even earlier with the story of Umi and, and Hakao. But um, after Kamehameha's passing, you know, what, what, what is really different, right, is this tremendous period of uncertainty. And um, I think in any leadership transition, even today in our world, um, so-called civilized world, <laughs> Leadership transitions can be pretty harsh and stark, and we probably saw one of the more strange ones in American history recently, right? When people were storming the Capitol and Trump's refusing to let go. So we know that leadership transitions can be challenging no matter what. Um, but here in Hawaii at this time, we were really in, in the beginnings of a massive depopulation, right? So Western, um, European ships arrive in 1778, diseases start to arrive on shore, and, and by 1819, um, people got, could see you know, the massive amounts of our people and population that were passing. So there was a lot of uncertainty around how to preserve the future of our islands. And, um, and so with Kamehameha giving the right to rule to his son and the war god Kuka'ilimoku to his nephew, Kekuokalani, you know, it's, it sets this period. And I believe Kamehameha wanted them to try to rule together um, and to keep our traditional ways and religion intact. Um, and by all accounts, Liholiho and Kikuokalani were raised together. You know, they were, um, it's super interesting. Kamehameha pivoted from traditional Ali'i society where he kept Liholiho close to him um, from a very young age. And so Liholiho was raised around you know, at a very young age around chiefly society because he was trying to prepare him. And then he kind of hanais Keiko Okalani when um, his father, Keiko Okalani's father, passes away super young, who's Kamehameha's brother and is poison. Um, but what sets the stage for the Battle of Kuomo'o is these competing views about the future of our islands, really, at the time. And so one faction kind of emerges to sort of disband and, and leave behind our religion and traditional ways. Um, and, uh, and I wanna stress that for a little bit. It, you know, it's not just about the worship of ki'i or you know, the eating, um, the separation of, of kane and wahine from eating certain kinds of foods and preparation. Um, it, that, that structure also organized and ordered you know, our economy and the management of our resources and, you know, seeing that different foods have a kua, right? That they're representations of, of spiritualness, of life um, and those forms. And so this, this worldview um, of the aikapu really organized um, much broader parts of our society than 
than just thinking about, oh, men and women couldn't eat together. It, it, it's a lot more um, complex and, and organized than that. And so one side says, oh, we should disband those ways and kind of move forward. And the other side, Kiko Kalani folks, you know, um, say aole, you know, and, and they're going to hold fast to our traditions. Um, I, can, I can do a, a two-day <laughs> version of this mo'olelo bag and give the, the condensed one. And, and so to get things up into this point to where we are today, um, Kiko Kalani was actually at, at Ka'avaloa um, and, um, and Liholiho and the other chiefs end up in Kailua and they're breaking the kapu and it's literally right, right on that side, you know, um, we can almost see where they're at in, in Kailua town. And um, Kiko Kalani and, and Manono and his whole retinue get the, get the word that the chiefs in Kailua are breaking the kapu and they're not going to go back. Um, and so there's this famous scene where Kawi Keoli is, is eating pua'a with Ka'ahumanu and Keopualani, who are the two kind of high-ranking chief, chiefesses, mo'i-ish queens, if you will, at the time. Um, and so they send um, Keopualani to go get Kekuokalani, and they actually come by canoe. And they're not that far from here, down in Ka'avaloa, and um, they arrive in and at that time, Keopualani is, is the highest ranking Hawaiian, you know, in, in the world. Um, and so she carries a whole bunch of mana and, and strength with her. And, you know, I think the thinking was if she came, Keopualani would, would agree. Um, but he refuses to get on the, on the va'a, on the canoe. And um, there's kind of a famous olelo no'yao that comes from that. Uh, it goes something like vehe kapiko la ikaho hanao is like the umbilical cord is severed, is, is split, you know, and um, his refusal to, to go and take part with the other chiefs was kind of a sign that he was going to stand firm. Um, and so I think they knew at that point that there was going to be a battle. Um, and Kikuo Kakalani and the Manona folks, you know, they, they set up a uh, a sort of a plan, you know, for the battle. And it's this kind of a strategic point where, you know, he builds the chant, at least my grandmother talked about in the chant, Hali'ipunana no hulimai. And so the night before, he, he builds kind of this, this lookout, this place where they spend their final night together. Um, and the next day, they, they start out to, to in, you know, go to, go to war, essentially. And they sent out some early scouts at first, and um, most of the accounts talk about the battle starting kind of near um, Keoho area, near the bay. And um, Kekuo Kalani and, and his retinue kind of get a jump on them at first and almost surprise them. And, um, you know, but um, they end up, one of the big things is, you know, Liholiho and his retinue, um, they inherit all of Kamehameha's cannons and muskets. Um, Kekuo Kalani folks, you know, no more. Um, and, and so a lot of what they were using was more traditional, you know, weapons and, and implements. Although they, they probably had commandeered a few muskets along the way, but they were severely outmatched, um, militarily at least. And so they get a jump on them and um, 
They, some accounts say they almost end the battle because Kalanimoku is the head chief at that time, the, the war strategist, if you will. And he's like the, the general for Liholiho's warriors. Um, Liholiho actually never attends the battle. And so they almost get um, Kalanimoku right in the beginning. And it would have ended, you know, it would have ended the battle, but, um, but they don't. And so his, Kalanimoku's warriors, you know, push back Kiko Kalani folks. And, um, <clears throat> and where we started, you know, we saw that area Leke Leke, that's where, you know, hundreds of, of warriors passed away. Um, and um, on, on both sides, but probably more on the, you know, Kalanimoku side or Liholiho side of, of you know, the battle. And, um, and then Kikuo Kalani and his forces have to kind of retreat and, and they make their way back here through, through Kuomo'o. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really here that um, they make their last stand, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and what ends up happening is uh, Kikuo Kalani you know, he gets shot in the leg with a musket and, you know, he kind of pulls himself together and he continues to battle and fight. Um, everyone rallies around him. And, um, <clears throat> and then, you know, he's, he's shot eventually in, in the head and he falls. And like I said, in those days when the head chief falls, the battle is pow, you know, and away, you know, people erupting and just pandemonium um, and scurrying away. And, and then at least the way my, my tutu told the story is, you know, because Monona was kind of perched up in this area and she could see what was happening, she, she sees, you know, Kiko Kalani get wounded and she sees him fall and she comes kind of charging down, you know, and as she's charging down, I think she's like Hakui in this Mana'o and Oli on the spot, you know, and then part of it, you know, is, is um, and she's, you know, chanting this chant. And so people rally around her. And my tutor said, you know, covers Keiko Kalani with his, his ahuula, his cape, and grabs his spear and, and just everybody rallies around her and marches back off um, until eventually she's, <clears throat> you know, they fight <laughs> as best they can. But, um, you know, she she's eventually shot also um, by Kalanimoku. And, um, and it's really not far from here, you know, where they, they kind of make their last stand. And, um, and so what ends up happening is Manono and Keiko Kalani fall, the warriors try to flee. Um, many of them are, are captured and then they're brought to an area um, near, this area near Kamakahonu in, in Kailua, Kona and um, kind of near where the King Kamehameha Hotel is today. And, um, and it's kind of there that, you know, they have the Hanakipi, the rebellion, right? The warriors there. And it's not until later that, that evening, night, you know, Liho Liho kind of makes his way down. But as he's making his way, he hears them still chanting this, ko aloha la ea, ko aloha la ea, malama ko aloha, malama ko aloha. You know, your love, your love, keep your love. And my, my tutu would say, she would add, there's no obstacle for Hawaii if you keep your love. Um, and so Liho Liho hears this, you know, and, and back in those days, there was only one punishment for breaking the couple, you know, and, and that's death, right? It's make. 
um, but he, he's overwhelmed, you know, with grief, with, with realizing, you know, the, the challenges of the time and his own family, you know, warriors on all sides giving their lives. People from all over Hawaii, you know, not just here on Hawaii Island, fought in this battle. Um, and I think he reaches a moment of clarity and he says, no, enough. And he, he pardons everyone, you know, and, and he lets them go. And so, you know, we're, we're literally walking <laughs> on the footsteps of our ancestors. We're, we're on sacred, hallowed ground where people gave their lives, you know, for what they believe the best future for Hawaii was. And, you know, we can kind of see after the battle, the loss of our religion and, you know, over time, especially with the occupation, <laughs> the decimation of our culture, the loss of our language. Um, and so this, this moment, this battle of Kuomo'o is, is really this pivotal turning point in, in Hawaii's history. Um, but for us at Aloha Kuomo'o Aina, we, we really try to think of it as, you know, it's a, it's a site of war, but it's a place of peace today. And, and so this is a place for recapturing <laughs> yourself, regrounding yourself and your aloha and your integrity to, to this, to us <laughs> and, and the future of our islands, you know. Um, and we take those words seriously from Manono, you know, malama ko aloha, keep your love, keep your love, um, because it's not easy to do, you know, and, um, and a part of aloha is being willing to, to stand for and, you know, risk your life in some instances for what you believe in, you know, and that's what Manono and, and Kekokalani and others did. Um, but, but I think it's also what Liholiho did in, in forgiving <laughs> and pardoning, you know, and, and realizing that, hey, sometimes there really isn't a good decision, right? Sometimes decisions are really, really hard, but maintaining our connection to each other and, and and our aina is, is the most important. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I think the battle, um, in some ways it's kind of the last big battle in, you know, for Hawaii. Um, and, and it really sets the tone for the future of the islands, which later, you know, become Christian and, and take on different sets of values, right? Um, but, but yeah, tiny little place, <laughs> you know, um, you, you could drive right by it because it's covered in Kiave and, and Pohaku. But um, yeah, this is a site where our, you know, our kupuna laid their lives down for, for what they believed. So. Sitting in the uneven, rocky landscape, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been to do battle here. Yeah, the terrain is nuts, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. Even, even on Leke Leke to, to think about the terrain. I mean, one thing is it wasn't covered in Kiave thorns. <laughs> because, yeah, I never had Kiave, but... Um, and, and so, yeah, the landscape has changed pretty dramatically, you know, because Cattle kind of destroyed the lowland forest, right? That was in here, but you had a whole bunch of like lolu and um, yeah, milo and um, kind of dryland, lowland 
uh, forest plants. And, um, and so it was a lot more movable in that sense, yeah. Um, and you, you had a lot of understory, you know, native ferns, um, species that the other thing that we saw here, the goats, right, just destroy everything. So stuff cannot, cannot grow and propagate. And, you know, that's where we can kind of see some of it in, in our native plant restoration, um, where probably 10 years from now, we'll see even more of that understory return. But yeah, but our kupuna had, you know, I think Kiko Kalani was being strategic, right? When you're outnumbered and outgunned artillery-wise, it's probably better to fight on super tough terrain, you know, because maybe you can surprise them and overwhelm them versus like a big open sandy beach where <laughs> you just couldn't get shot down with cannons and stuff. So, so he was, I think he was definitely strategic in kind of thinking of where to stage this you know, this, this battle and this engagement. There's just all kind of lessons, right? It's like, you know, I mean, yeah, we've been fighting, Hawaiians been fighting each other for a long time and, and we probably will continue to disagree adamantly and that's, that's a great thing. Um, but, but also I think, you know, there's, there's times to, to realize, you know, standing together is, is probably the best option now. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of another lesson to me that comes from, from Kuomo'o. Um, and, you know, you gotta be fearless. I mean, we all, you know, maybe some of us believe in reincarnation, so maybe we do get a couple other shots. Um, but one thing I'm sure is, you know, this seems like the only shot I got right now. <laughs> And so, um, you know, we, we got to try to do the best we can and, and live, you know, with the highest level of integrity, I think, like, to me, is exhibited by Manono guys and Kiku Kalani, you know, to, to advocate for the future. And that's why we're still telling this story, you know, that's why this Mo'olelo continues, um, is because of that kind of, these, these periods where we can see the courage of, of people, of, of humans. <laughs> you know, to do something that just seems incredible, right? Impossible against impossible odds um, to stand up and fight. So I think, I think that's important. Um, and like I was mentioning before, Kumo'o connects these two kind of larger populated areas ancestrally between, you know, Ka'avaloa and Napuapo'o and, you know, that kind of whole area and, and Kailua Kona, which was, you know, at that time, like, basically the prized residence of the Ali'i. Um, so, yeah, so we use the Mo'olelo as kind of a teaching tool, you know. Have there been any particularly memorable times telling this Mo'olelo? Yeah, you know, when... A few times we've had some, you know, lineal descendants and stuff and sharing different aspects of the Mo'olelo has been really, really powerful. Um, one time we were, there was a group from Kamehameha schools that, um, you know, they did the whole opera on the Battle of Kuomo'o. Um, and so they came out here before like their performances and, you know, they performed here and they went to, I think, uh, Scotland maybe, or 
somewhere in Europe. Um, but that, that was a really awesome one because all the kids had read so much up on the Mo'olelo and they had awesome questions and, you know, there was lineal descendants that was here. Um, and so I really appreciated that. And then you could just see that, like, these kids were trying to, having to portray these people, you know, and, and their, their ano and, and who they were. And um, yeah, it was just really, really rich uh, conversation with them. Um, and yeah, it touches, you know, just different people grab onto different aspects of it. I think some people really see that mo'alelo and I've had, you know, I think I told you guys a story in the podcast about one individual, you know, and just kind of how it affected him reconnecting to this place and the challenges that he faced. Um, and I think that's the lesson, you know, is like, man, like we are, this is an age it's going to be remembered for being really hard and, and full of challenge. You know, the time that we live in today, um, this beginning of, of the 21st century, I think, has just been really radical. Um, so they will tell stories about us, <laughs> you know, and, and the choices that we made. But, um, but I think for some people, you know, they, they look at this mo'olelo and they, yeah, they get like, you know, no matter how hard stuff is, it makes it a little better if you keep your aloha, you know, no matter how grim, you know, how dark, <laughs> how adverse, if, if you can find a way to love, you know, yourself and, and love the things around you, you know, in the midst of plenty of reasons to hate and get angry, it's, it's going to help you, you know, um, at a deep level. And, and I think depending on where people are at, you know, sometimes they, they really get that. Um, and, uh, but it's not easy, <laughs> you know. Sometimes I think it might be easier to, to charge off into one battle <laughs> than continue living through it, you know. And, um, but yeah, but keeping your love, I think, is, is the key, yeah. That was a little over 200 years ago, right? Yeah, 1819, so it was 200 years ago in 2019, right when things went AWOL. <laughs> right? With COVID and yeah. So what do you think the next 200 years will bring? God damn. I know, right? Well, I mean, I, I hope it's a, I hope it's a pendulum swinging back in a direction that we, we recognize, you know, the, the spiritual, <laughs> nature of, of our natural world, of our planet, of the things that we consume. Um, you know, I hope it's a swinging back of the pendulum of, you know, trying to make decisions that aren't short-term based off of me, 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 more, 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 you know, um, and that are about the betterment of future generations. And, and I think, um, you know, at least in Hawaii's context, the I Kapu helped 
to, to situate some of that. You know, when, when you look at a tree that you're gonna carve into a canoe and it has a spirit, you know, it has a mana and, and you, you chant to it and you pray to it and you know, you, you're explaining the use and the function that it'll provide. Um, you're gonna treat, you know, all the trees in the forest really differently, right? Than if you're just milling lumber. Um, and, and it's not that there's something wrong with milling lumber, but when we clear cut and do it to the scale that it's been done around the planet, we see the results, you know? And, and so that's what I mean about the pendulum swinging back. I think there's ancestral lessons and, and values that we can draw upon for the future. And at least that's the one that I'm fighting for <laughs> here at Kumo'o. I recognize, I think I just, it was yesterday, I read an article, Jeff Bezos, who just bought a place on Maui, uh, is quoted in saying that, you know, a couple hundred years from now, the earth is gonna be a luxury resort you know, and only the rich and the wealthy will visit and live here. And industry is going to move to other planets and places, you know, and the working class will be somewhere else. And I mean, isn't that the most bizarre <laughs> statement and about our future? It seems laughable. Um, but, um, but what a contrast to, to the future that I see for our place and, and planet. Um, but, you know, one side's got a heck of a lot of resources. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, I believe Hawaii can be a place, you know, where we build relationships with like-minded people all around the world, around Aloha Aina. And, you know, I believe that we don't have all the answers. Um, and that's why we need alliances, but we get some, you know, and, um, and I think we can play a pivotal role in, in carving out, you know, a better, more equitable and just future for, for our islands and for our planet, you know? And um, yeah, and you know, that's where I'm really involved in all kind of work on circular economies and, you know, Ainoloha economic futures and stuff um, to try to achieve that. But, um, but to me, Kuomo'o plays this real pivotal role, you know, and there's a book that uh, is coming out. We, I published with some colleagues of mine. Um, and in it, we actually, it's, it's tentatively titled, you know, what we can learn about what Pacific Islands teach us about sustainability and the future. Um, and, you know, one of the things we actually talk about in there is, is you know, it's hard for some people to digest, but, um, but they're, you know, when you see an akua, you know, when you see yourself in a relationship to the natural world and the resources around you, not in a subordinate, dominant one where, you know, your job is to pillage and, and plover and take whatever you want, but actually when you see that there's mana and, and there's akua, there's spirit, there's life all around you, it makes a difference in how you make decisions for the future of your society. And um, that makes some people really uncomfortable, um, but it's, it's the truth. Um, and I think, you know, future, 
for a better future on our planet, we're going to have to to get closer to that realization again. It's not going to be the same. I'm not saying we, you know, carving the same images and, you know, maybe we're not even doing the same chants, but um, but we have to recognize the spirit that's in living things around us and our relationship to it, you know, and and that's why indigenous people survived on the planet for, you know, 10,000 years. I mean, you know, it's not that it's not that humans cannot live, <laughs> you know, and and thrive. Um, it's not that we have too limited resources. It's just how we're using them and our relationship to them um, and the massive kind of hoarding and plundering by, you know, certain classes. Um, and I think Kuomo'o plays, plays a role in that. Um, what is that role that you see? You know, we've had convenings with like-minded thinkers and, and thought makers. Um, and, I, and I think pulling together, like envisioning like a more unified alliance against militarism, <laughs> you know, against um, sort of unfettered capitalism and oligarchy. <laughs> um, in this place, when we're surrounded by <laughs> militarism and unfettered oligarchy, um, to turn sort of the, the images of, you know, and it's not, I'm not trying to attack anybody or, or anything, but, you know, um, America as like a, an entity that creates liberation and freedom and justice around the world um, is really problematic, right? I think we all should understand that. And so to, to have those conversations here, right, in the midst of the American occupation, in a site of war, a place of peace, um, you know, to, to ground our, our communities again in our practices and and keeping our aloha for each other. I think, you know, that's, that's kind of what, what we set out to do. Um, but it's, it's step by step. You know, the first step is the native forest, <laughs> returning lineal descendants, you know, engaging youth in communities. Um, but I, I hope this can be a place, you know, for high level strategic alliances about the future of our planet. Um, and, and bridging and drawing from these lessons and, and the spirituality. I hope you feel it, you know, <laughs> being here um, is, uh, yeah, this is like a, you're, you're sitting on the edge, you know, it's like sitting on the edge of a, a previous time and, and battle and as we're embarking in a future one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's just, it's just one place. You know, I think it, all kind of places like this throughout our islands and can be inspiration for, for the future. But um, at least for us, it's kind of one important, pivotal one. But, um, but it's real different, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, we, we're not coming here and the work isn't necessarily all, you know, um, 
as 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 manual in some ways. Yeah, there's there's other kind of work and stuff happening. It's beautiful to know the Ma'olelo and then think of this place as a site for alliances. Yeah, and I think that's the the long, long range, you know, um, site of war, place of peace. Yeah, to try to have those alliances because we could use it in Hawaii, you know. Um, I mean, to be frank, so much resources is tied to militarism, you know, and the all the troughs that runneth over from that <laughs> feed so many things. And so, um, yeah, it would be really awesome to have more resources around, around peace, you know, around inclusion, around justice. Is there anything particular you think about this moment in time that's important for this Mo'olelo to come forward now? Yeah, well, I think, I think the parallels with, you know, in the midst of a, a pandemic, uncertain future, <laughs> um, rapidly changing society. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parallels there. Um, and I don't know, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't be the first to say, I think people do worry about violence in the future, where this is all going. Um, I know I do sometimes when I see the polarization of our, <laughs> not just Hawaiian society, but just global society. Um, yeah, so I think, I think looking back at this mo'olelo and this battle and the outcomes, you know, I think are, are really valuable for us right now. Um, yeah. There's a whole bunch of uncertainty for sure. And I mean, you talk about Twitter, you know, the algorithms, you know, they don't advance aloha. <laughs> Usually they advance hate. Usually they get people riled up and angry. And, you know, it's already come out with Facebook stuff, right? I mean, they made a bunch of money by just putting out rubbish ideas to incite people into stages of anger. Um, because we anger, right, it, it releases all these things where we get, we get stuck, we get lost, we get triggered, we get traumatized or bring back our trauma. Um, and so being grounded in aloha, like, is, is helpful to, to navigate that stuff. But, but the reality is, you know, it's not going to pick up on the algorithm. <laughs> you know, getting this kind of message out, getting this, this mo'olelo out, it, in some ways, it's weird, yeah? It, some people feel uncomfortable talking about keeping aloha and, and what that means in the midst of all and the systemic injustice, the racism, the white supremacy, <laughs> you know, the oligarchic markets that we face. Just the unjustness all around us. Sometimes talking about aloha is hard because we, hey, I like scrap. I can, I have. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like aloha is something that needs to be reclaimed in the way that you're talking about. Mm, that's right, yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about um, something that feeds into a visitor industry or something like that. Um, I, I think you do, you see it 
in Hawaii and all across the Pacific, it's a, it's a real value, you know, taking care of people. Leadership is about feeding and malaming your society, you know, I mean, that's a real value. Um, it's, not, it's not a fake thing. Uh, it's not just, although it's been commercialized, right? And, and I think there's some trauma there too, you know, when somebody takes your value and whatever, attach aloha in front of any aloha massage, <laughs> aloha perfume, aloha liquid aloha, you know, I mean, so yes, for sure, it's, it's been used against us um, in, in many ways, but, but it's still ours, you know, and, and so I think, yeah, there's, there's value in that, at least for me, I don't know, but yeah. Others, I think it resonates with, but I think, yeah, in this time period, you know, hey, we're up against huge structural forces where we have to organize and mobilize, and sometimes we have to be even extreme or militant, you know, and so sometimes where does aloha fit in that stuff, I think is, is part of the conversation, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. How do you think of the work you're doing here and your participation in Aina Aloha Economic Futures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a linear path. <laughs> um, and I think, um, and that's the cool thing about Mo'olelo and stuff, but, but yeah, I think being that where we are in, in our society in such vast inequalities, um, in such exploitative, you know, um, kind of extractive <laughs> economic drivers that, you know, are in our islands. Like being here at Kuomo'o and, and thinking, you know, regularly about the battle and about what the Aikapu system was trying to structure and, and organize um, has been super, amazing and powerful for me to, to yeah, uh, think about our futures, think about our ancestral values and, and how they connect to a better way of, of achieving a better economy. So I love, I love the work that we're doing at Ainaloha Economic Futures and, you know, engaging community. And there's so much resilience that still, you know, is, is in all of our communities for innovation. Um, yeah, but I think, but you know, for me, in a, again, it's not in a linear path, <laughs> but it has, you know, being here, walking the Aina, thinking about the battle, has made me think a lot more about the economic structure of our ancestors. And, and you know, I, I think maybe at one time early in my life, you know, I thought about the battle and just the religious side, you know, separation, men and women eating or, um, but I, I didn't understand the nuances of how that organized and related to all aspects of our society and what a pivotal shift that really was. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's definitely related and, um, you know, maybe it's an outgrowth in some ways, but I'm, I'm just one part of Ainaloha Economic Futures. But for me, this is a, a strong part, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think, you know, here at Kumo'o, as we, 
I don't think we're ever really going to develop stuff um, in that <laughs> kind of developed sense. But we do really try to practice more of an Lahaina economy and, you know, keep things circular. So, you know, all the, you see all the stacks of kiave and stuff that we have. I mean, that goes to, um, depends, people building fence, goes to people's fireplaces, people's gardens, you know. Um, we are super intentional about trying to eliminate waste, you know, in, in, the, in our work, in our efforts, in what we're doing. Um, and that's part of the reason, like I told you guys for, you know, you look at these structures and it's like, oh man, just tear them down, get rid of them or whatever. But um, now we let them sit and let them stay till we kind of figure out what the best use of that place and that area is. So I think that's all kind of a, you know, a part of it. At the end of our conversation, Kamana drove us back up the bumpy road, leaving Kuomo'o behind. He dropped us off where we had parked in the parking lot of Keauho Shopping Center, a strip mall that starkly reflected the alternative touristic gentrification of the land. And amid that contrast, we thought about the warriors at Kuomo'o chanting, Your love, your love, keep your love. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me and me with additional support from Mickey. Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. Production of this podcast is supported by a fellowship from Princeton University. Thank you to our community donors and to you, our audience, for listening. Thank you.